Hey there, welcome back to the Speak Your Peace podcast. My name is Ian McNaughton, Big E. So glad that you could be here. I'm all by myself. This is another solo podcast, which is good. I enjoy the solo podcast. As I've said before, being by myself helps uh, improve my voice individually, uh, helps improve my style, creates a style. So I'm glad to be able to do solo podcasts. Uh, I hope you, the listener, enjoy solo podcasts. I hope you enjoy me rambling for like an hour, maybe more. We got a full podcast coming up here. Um, so pretty much, yeah, this is basically just me like doing my own radio show, but podcast style, except I'm not doing out of town baseball scores, um, sponsored by the local car dealership. I mean, I could, I'd be happy if a car dealer, car dealership sponsored me and I, you know, gave out out of town baseball scores, but that's not quite what we're doing here. So again, I'm by myself, uh, another podcast it's been a long week for myself. Um, 2022 doesn't even feel like 2022, if I'm being honest. Uh, it kind of just feels not even like extended 2021. It just feels all the same. It just feels like we're just living. Uh, I don't know if that makes sense to you, the individual listener, but it makes sense to me where I'm just living. I don't even know what day it is. I don't even know what time it is. I'm guessing it's Sunday because I'm recording this after the Raiders beat the Chargers, but you could tell me it's Tuesday and I'd probably believe you. So uh, what we got coming up here, uh, I'm going to do a, a little quick talk about the NFL week 18, which sounds weird to say. Uh, then I'm going to get into an interesting exercise involving hockey, including the worst contract in the NHL. I'm going to give my top 10 list as well as some honorable mentions. And then we're going to discuss some NBA headlines quickly. Uh, Clay Thompson, if you, in case you haven't heard, returned for the Golden State Warriors. They played the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers earlier today. So that's interesting. Uh, and then finally, at the end, we have some mailbag questions. I'm going to get into the mailbag questions uh, for the viewers. For the people who asked questions, I will answer questions because that's what I do here. I am a, uh, a problem solver. Uh, a question answerer per per you know per people some people say anyways let's start with week 18 of the nfl so again i'm recording this just about 10 15 minutes after the chargers lose in overtime to the las vegas raiders 35 32 um it was a great game with a bit of a disappointing finish because i was rooting for the tie I was hoping the Steelers would miss the playoffs because that was the best outcome uh, for everybody. I feel like uh, unless you're a Steelers fan, which you're probably not listening to this podcast because I don't think I've said one positive thing about the Steelers uh, this season. But I think my takeaway from Sunday Night Football, the biggest thing that I came away with was just doing too much. You're just overdoing it. And that's how I felt with the Chargers and Brandon Staley, who is a really smart guy. He's obviously a really knowledgeable individual. He's no dummy. Uh, he didn't get, he didn't, you know, fall upwards into being an NFL coach. He's obviously got the credibility and experience to be an NFL coach. The, the issue I have comes from overdoing it, over analytics, doing too much. Um, the big play that comes to mind, obviously, is the fourth and one at, at their own 20 in the third quarter, and they were down 17-14. And I get why you do it. The numbers say you do it. I wouldn't have done it. I'd say you punt, put the faith in your defense. Um, and as a result, fortunately, they only gave up a field goal, which – I mean, it's still, they still were within one possession of winning, but it came down to the literal last seconds of the game uh, to force it to overtime. And, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm the, the idiot here. Totally possible. I'm not an NFL head coach. I don't think I ever will be one. So I could be completely wrong. But I think there is a point where you're just overdoing it. You're just going too far. Um, and, and while that's, that is my opinion, 
Brandon Staley is a guy who is known for doing analytics, who likes doing analytics, uh, who likes following the numbers. And that's his brand. And that's what he's going to do. And that's why the Chargers hired him. Like they, this is not news to GM Tom Telesco or the Spanos family who owns the team. This is who Brandon Staley is. This is his brand of football. You live with it and you die with it. And unfortunately for the Chargers, they died with it tonight. Um, I, I, I don't know that the Raiders were ever considering a tie. I don't know that the Chargers were ever considering a tie. Um, it just so worked out that the Raiders won on a last second field goal. So the other thing coming into this, coming out of this week, coming out of week 18, I don't think we'd learned a whole lot about any of the teams, um, that we didn't already know that wasn't already news to us, uh, in the first 17 weeks. I, I think we already had a pretty good idea of what these teams were and, what they were showing us, but I think the big takeaway, the biggest takeaway, the biggest overall takeaway I have from week 18 is going, not going all in, but playing for the full 60 minutes, never giving up. Now I know we were just talking about the Raiders and the chargers and they were playing for a playoff spot. And if they just tied, they both would have made the playoffs. Great. But, you know, the, for, the, for somebody like, let's say, the Jacksonville Jaguars or the Detroit Lions today, they didn't really have anything to play for. They, they only had the first overall pick in the draft. And while that is valuable, while it is useful, those franchises have had the first overall pick. And look at where they are now. Um, they are still the two worst teams in the NFL statistically by record. So, you know, playing for the first overall pick. Okay, sure. I guess that's something, but it hasn't really meant anything for these two teams. So going out and watching Detroit and Jacksonville today, give it their all play pedal to the metal football, um, Detroit doing not just the kitchen sink, but the entire kitchen at the Green Bay Packers today in terms of trick plays, um, schemes, formations. It was fantastic. It was wonderful. And as a result, uh, both teams came away with victories. Trevor Lawrence, at least in the first half, Trevor Lawrence had an exceptional first half. Uh, They were saying on the broadcast today, arguably the best first half of his NFL career. And this team had nothing to play for. The Lions had nothing to play for. They had no reason to go win this game. You know, Indianapolis, the Jags opponent, had to win to make the playoffs. And, I, I mean, I could be wrong. There, I, I don't think there is much of a rivalry between the Jags and the Colts, but I could be wrong. Uh, they are division opponents, and they play each other twice a year. But I don't know if the mentality of the Jags locker room today was, oh, yeah, screw the Colts. Got to make sure they don't get in. No, I think the mentality was, let's go play our best brand of football and let's go out and win. I think you saw that from the Jags today. I think you saw that from the Lions today. You saw that from the Seattle Seahawks today. And I'm not going to try and make this a Seattle Seahawks podcast because that's unfair to the listener because I could just talk about this team for three hours. But I think all of those teams today, before, before they stepped on the field, their coaches said, let's go play our best brand of football. Let's go throw everything at these guys and let's go win today. Because again, while the first overall pick might be important for the Lions or the Jags, the Seahawks don't have their first round pick. So they're not playing for a draft pick. They're literally just going out to play for a win. All of these teams needed wins for a confidence boost for the direction of the franchise. And that's, that's important. That is more important arguably than a first round or a first overall pick even is having a team like Jacksonville uh, who clearly made a mistake hiring urban Meyer that, that, that hiring was dead right. As soon as the pen hit the paper, that, 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 that was over. Um, now Sean Khan and Tony Khan, owners of the Jags, now have a win 
and an end of the year victory that they can hold their heads high on and take into the off season that they can go to fans who are possibly buying season tickets. They can go to sponsors who are possibly buying ads for the team. They can go to those people and they can say, listen, the Urban Meyer hiring was a mistake, but we have the right people here. We are going to hire the right coach. We have the right players, all that. That's great for the Jags. And then you go to the Lions. You go to the Detroit Lions, a, a feudal franchise for almost all of existence. And they have been one of the best, worst teams in the league. Just, I think, I don't know if they're better than their two, 14 and one record will, will indicate this year, but there, this is a team playing for their head coach and Dan Campbell, who was ridiculed and mocked at the beginning of the season, who stood for his players, who fought for his players, who was with his players from day one. He, he, he showed all of that. All of that came together today in their win over the Packers. And I get the Packers didn't have all of their starters in for the majority of the game. I, I understand. I get it. You, you, you can put an asterisk on this win if you want. Sure, whatever. But the Lions fought hard, and they wanted this game. They fought for their coach. They fought for their, you know, for their teammates, for their fans. This is now a win, beating the Packers today in Detroit and in front of the Ford Field faithful. This is a win that Dan Campbell and the Lions organization can show to their fans, to their sponsors, and go, hey, the results may not have been pretty at times last year, but things are heading in the right direction. This team is going places. And like Dan Campbell said, you know, we're in, I can't remember what it was, but we might be in the, you know, Indian Ocean right now trying to get to the, you know, Caribbean. Like that's, that might be where we are. Like he said something along those lines of we're here the end goal is here. It's still a long ways, but it's there. And we can get there. I know we can get there. And that's a guy you want to fight for. That's a guy you want to believe in. And that's a, a guy who, after today's win, makes you proud to be Alliance player, Alliance fan, uh, even a sponsor, I'm sure. Um, that, that is a significant win for the Lions organization. Um, and, and, you know, that was com that, that's coming off a major disappointment uh, last week against the Seattle Seahawks. Again, not trying to turn this into a, a Seattle Seahawks podcast, but, you know, that's coming off giving up 50 to the Seahawks, a team who's been bad for most of the season. They gave up 50 to them last week, had many other disappointing losses throughout the year, including some brutal last-second losses. But the comeback to beat the number one team in the NFC, that is going to put people's heads up high heading into the offseason. And it's why you play. You don't tank. Players don't tank. Ownerships and management might tank, but players never tank. But this is why you play for 60 minutes that you never give up. You always play. You always fight so that you can have days like this you can have wins like this because winning feels good especially after all you've had to go through this year whether you're a jags you know member or a lions member or even a seahawks member all that you've suffered through this year feel it it, it doesn't equal out it, it's not paid off but it still feels good to go into the offseason with a win over a division opponent at home in front of your fans that's why you always play, you always compete, and you never take a day off. That, that's why they, you, you're always going for it. You're, you're never stopping. That, that's for days like this, for days like this. That's why you always compete. That's why you always play. So that's my big takeaway from the week 18 of the NFL. Uh, stick, stick around. We'll be back. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, I'm going to get into my 10 worst NHL contracts. 
Stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. Okay, welcome back to the podcast. So I want to do this exercise on the 10 worst contracts in the NHL right now. Uh, I think there's plenty of bad contracts. I know this also feels like a bit of an off-season thing to do, but hockey has just felt so scattered to me right now uh, that this is going to be a fun thing to do. I, I can, you know, talk about the worst deals in the NHL. And this is also a fun thing in that I'm by myself, so I don't have anybody to criticize me, although I'm sure people are still going to send me texts and messages and, you know, bad comments on the internet because that's what people do. But let me go through 10 to 1 and some honorable mentions, my top 10 worst contracts in the NHL right now. So I'll get through the honorable mentions first. Uh, I'm going to discuss... The Nashville centers, both two of them, Ryan Johansson, Matt Duchesne, uh, those contracts stink. And I feel bad for Nashville in a way because of the fact that they were hoping that those guys would be difference makers. And unfortunately, they just haven't been. Uh, yeah, you see Ryan Johansson, he's got four years at $8 million AAV. He's 29 now. Uh, Matt Duchesne, he's got 8 million AAV for the next five years, and he's 30. The Duchesne contract is probably worse than the, the Johansson contract, um, mostly with age um, and, and there's the extra year. It's, it's just not good. It, 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 they both are not good, unfortunately. So that's an honorable mention. That that's how it starts. Is I have both those guys as honorable mentions. Uh, Tyler Myers, I have as an honorable mention as well. He's thirty one right now, two years at six million AAV, uh, a new no movement clause. I just had to throw Tyler Myers in there because it's Tyler Myers, and Tyler Myers, I swear, uh, is the is a guy who says before the game. I'm going to take more penalties than any of you guys and says as like a challenge and his teammates are like, no, dude, we really don't need you taking penalties. Like, please stop taking penalties. Like, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take more penalties than either one of you guys. And he does, he just does. Uh, so the Tyler Myers takes more penalties than anyone challenge is my favorite thing about going to a Canucks game. Um, Jamie Ben, I have as an honorable mention, he's 32 years old. He's got four years, including this one. All these, when I mention years, they all include this one, uh, the one that we're currently in. It's a 9.5 million AAV with a no movement clause. Uh, he's on a decline, like his teammate, Tyler Sagan. Uh, fewest points per 60 in his career. You're going to hear that term a lot, points per 60. Uh, 1.9, so two points per 60 minutes. Uh, that's the worst of his career. And he's on pace for the fewest assists in this season. So kind of maybe peaked when he went to the Stanley Cup. It's kind of too bad he didn't get the Stanley Cup. But I don't feel bad for Jamie Ben not getting a Stanley Cup. Um, Dak Cassian is also the last honorable mention. Now, with Cassian, he doesn't have any trade restrictions. So the Oilers can find a way to trade him easier. They don't have to you know, find 10 teams to move him to. They can just trade him to whoever. Um, he still looks low and out of pace on this Oilers team. And he's part of the reason why this team has bottom six issues. Uh, he's got three more years, 3.2 million AAV. Bad deal. I Listen, I was saying this. Yeah, I know there's some bad contracts on here. Like, I, I, I you don't need to tell me there's bad contracts. I know there's bad contracts. And I was still almost going to make an argument last postseason about how he had the worst contract in the league. And I know it doesn't have the term that others do, nor the cap hit, but still, regardless, bad contract. So let's start with number 10. Then. Number 10, Darnell Nurse. Darnell Nurse will be 27 uh, when his deal starts. It hasn't even started yet. Uh, Nurse will be 27. It's an eight-year deal, 9.25 million AAV with no movement clause and some modified no-trade clause at the end of the deal. Listen, um, I think Darnell Nurse is a good defenseman. He might even be better than good. Uh, he is not worth 9.25 million uh, for eight years. Not a chance. Like, he's not Victor Hedman. 
is not he's he's maybe a top 10 defenseman in this league. Maybe. Maybe. Um this is part of the reason. Listen, the Oilers don't even have cap troubles. The re, the re, they they their biggest problems, okay, that you would think in a cap system, Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, only take up 25% of their salary cap. 25% for two of the best players in this generation. In this generation. How can you not not only make the playoffs, but win a Stanley Cup? You, that's so easy. It, it's, it's, ah, that's what frustrates me, is that you go out and you willingly trade for Duncan Keith. You willingly sign Zach Hyman, which Hyman's deal isn't even bad now. It's going to be bad in like three years, but by then you're going to be trading everybody because this has just gone so poorly. And then you sign Darnell Nurse for $2.5 million. As an AAV. Don't like it. Top t- number 10, worst contract in the league, Darnell Nurse. Um, and again, I don't even dislike him as a defenseman. I think he's a good defenseman. Just don't like that contract. Uh, number nine, Tyler Sagan. Uh, listen, the Sharks have some bad contracts. The Stars also have bad contracts. I mentioned Jamie Benn earlier. Tyler Sagan, that's a bad contract. Uh, the decline for Tyler Sagan is already happening. Uh, he's 29 years old. He's got six years, including this one, left on his deal with a 9.85 million AAV and no movement clause and modified no trade clause. Uh, fewest points per 60 in his career, 1.4, on pace for worst statistical season since his rookie year in Boston when he didn't even get played. Um, and I know last year he was injured and he didn't have the full experience last year. Everything last year for the stars in 2020, 2021 was just dead from the start. They, they, they were the fact that even they even did as well as they did is mind blowing, but Sagan, his expected plus minus, not even his regular plus minus, just his expected plus minus is all situations is negative 5.2. That's worse than Tanner Jeanette, Nick Benino, and Michael McLeod and the stars are paying him nine and a half million, 9.985 million, excuse me, AAV for the next six years. That's a bad contract. Um, there's a chance that he can rebound. I'm a bit skeptical. Tyler Sagan, that could be a top five words contract starting next season. Uh, Tyler Sagan is number nine on my list of worst NHL contracts. Number eight, is Logan Couture at 32 years old. He's got six years left, 8 million AAV. Um, it's a good thing uh, the Sharks got out of the Evander Kane contract because I think half of their salary cap was tied up between Eric Carlson, Brett Burns, who I don't even think Brett Burns even made it to this list, which is kind of impressive. Uh, Eric Carlson, Brett Burns, Logan Couture, and Evander Kane took up 50% of the Sharks' salary cap at one point, uh, which is just horrific, awful. Um, Logan Couture, the decline's definitely happening with him. He, he basically, he's basically like those Nashville centers, um, overpaid, second-line center at best. The decline's already happening. Uh, maybe needs a new change of scenery, maybe needs to get out of San Jose, maybe that will improve things. I don't know, but that dude, heesh. Um, and it was really just at the time, it was just a, a, a bad bet made by uh, Doug Wilson, GM at the time, because when the Sharks went to the Western Conference Finals, that was with an old roster of Joe Thornton, Patrick Marlowe, Joe Pavelski. And then, you know, guys like Couture. And it was just a bad bet on the rest of the team, unfortunately. Like, Hurdle is fine. Couture is now declining. You know, yeah, it's just... And Martin Jones, there's obviously the Martin Jones thing. Um, When they went to the Stanley Cup Finals, and then they went to the Western Conference Finals, uh, lost to the Blues after that. That team wasn't even good that made to the Western Conference Finals. Like, that was just NHL par- – like, that was parody that got them there. 
they had no business being in the Western Conference Finals. That team stunk. Uh, Loki Couture, not good. That's why he's number eight on my list. Uh, number seven, Oliver Ekman Larson. Now he has actually had some improvement this year. Like he he he's not close to being what he's paid, but he's he's better. He's better than what we we saw in the last few years in Arizona. Uh, he's thirty years old right now. He's got six years, including this one left. Eight point two five million AAV, no movement clause. Um, it's kind of funny to think that Arizona paid him more than this, but he, yeah, he's improved. Um, it's kind of weird when he's on a you know defense core with Quinn Hughes and Tyler Myers and Tucker Pullman, um, and the Canucks are obviously having a, a really fascinating season considering they started poorly got the GM fired and now they have a new coach and a new GM. Um, some would say he's the reason the last GM got fired. Part of the reason why. Yeah. You, you kind of wonder. Um, listen, I, I just think that that's not a good deal. Uh, and like I said, you know, when they signed, when they made the trade for Ekman Larson and Connor Garland, but when they traded for Ekman Larson, I just thought, great, you know, good move by Benning. He gets Garland. Uh, who cares about the last, you know, last half of Ekman Larson's deal because Benny won't be around to see it. And he isn't. It's somebody else's problem. It, it's right now, you know, Jim Rutherford's problem, who is then going to put it on to the Sedins or whoever the new GM is. Scott Mellonby might be the new GM. New GM's going to worry about it. That's fine. New GM's problem. Um, still, uh, bad contract. Uh, seventh on my list. The fact the fact that he's improved a bit this season, um, both offensively and de- defensively, the fact that he's improved a little bit is why he's outside of my bottom five. Uh, number six, Seth Jones. Uh, Seth Jones is going to be 28 years old when this new deal starts. Uh, it's going to be eight years, nine and a half million dollars AAV with a no movement clause uh, and a modified no trade clause in the back half. Um Similar to the Darnell Nurse contract, I don't think it's a bad. I, I don't. I think it's a bad deal. I don't think he's a bad player. Like I think Seth Jones, good defenseman, quality defenseman. Uh, should he be making nine and a half million dollars a year? No, no, not at all. Um, this is. It, it, it's also. It's also a weird team because the Blackhawks are. Um, going through organizational changes. Um, And this was also an attempt to just end the rebuild in Chicago. That wasn't really a rebuild uh, because they got flurry and then they got, you know, Seth Jones traded a lot for him and then signed him to a big extension. I don't know. I think he's a fine defenseman. I don't think he's worth nine and a half million. Um, It's a long commitment. Um, this wasn't contrary to Oliver Ekman Larson. This wasn't what got the GM fired in Chicago, but had it been anybody else, had it been another person, um, with how this season started, there's an argument to be made that Seth Jones could have got his GM fired. He might've got his coach fired. How about that? He, he, he got his coach fired. He, he's partially to blame for the coach getting fired, uh, earlier this season. So bad deal. I don't like it sucks uh number five on my list mark edward vlasic um there's there's an argument i think it's a good one uh my argument anyway is that the peak of mark edward vlasic's career is when he was uh getting talked over pk suban to make an olympic team for team uh for team canada i never saw the value or interest that was for mark edward vlasic um you know the I, I listen, I do think there is uh, a world in which, you know, defensive defensemen are useful. This guy, yeah, no, I don't see it. I didn't see it before. Uh, he's got five years left, including this season, uh, at 7 million AAV, and he's 34 years old. Um, again, this just goes into the category of just bad bets. This is just a, this is just a, 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 a bunch of horrible investments made by Doug Wilson uh, when the Sharks are doing well. And as a result, it's kind of screwed up the rest of this team. So yeah, this not good. 
very no bueno uh, is Mark Vlasic, are the Sharks, and is their cap situation. Uh, one podcast I'm going to do at some point is the worst GM jobs because I think it's the Sharks. Sharks or Buffalo uh, for worst GM jobs. And the Vlasic contract is part of the reason why. It's just not a good deal. Um, he's not a good defenseman. And he's old. And he doesn't offer any offense. He, doesn't, he, 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 even with the adjusted stats for the rest of the season, not expected to get any goals. And that's, you, 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 I, I'm sure he will score a goal. But if you're adjusted to not score any goals this year, there's no reason why you should be making uh, $7 million and not 700000 That's all I'm saying. Um, number four on my list, Jeff Skinner. You could put this number one. I wouldn't blame you. I think Skinner's fourth. Um, it just was a bad contract from the start. We all knew it. Um, he's got six years left, nine million AAB. He's 29 years old with no movement clause. Um, you know, he's all he he has already outscored last year's performance. He's got 19 points in 32 games so far this season. Uh, he had 14 points in 53 games last season, but he is still fifth on the so on the sabers in scoring and that's behind guys like tage thompson who's having a resurgent year by the way shout out tage thompson um you know maybe the ryan o'reilly trade work no i'm not gonna go there uh victor olafson and rasmus dolly yeah though like that's how far behind skinner is uh he hasn't even eclipsed 20 points yet this year and he's getting nine million aav because he scored 60 points once with Carolina. That's that's how that works. Um, the, like, the Sabres aren't even in, in cap purgatory, which is different from the Sharks. Um, they're just bad, and it's a, a, a poorly run organization. Uh, ownership is really tough to get through. We saw it with the whole Eichel scandal. I don't need to get into it. But the Sabres in, in the Sharks are in two different types of, like, purgatory and it's probably easier for the savers to do well than the sharks it's just the savers now have this nine million dollar contract in jeff skinner for some reason um so skinner is, is number four on my list number three i'm gonna go with sergey Bobrovsky. now i know he showed improvement this year he's got uh, a 917 save percentage uh, a 4.9 gsaa which is better than the negatives he's been in the last two years with Florida. Um, it, but it's still not even close to like Pete Columbus Bobrovsky. And this seemed like a bad deal when it was first signed. Um, in case you're wondering, there's still five more years uh, at 10 million AAV with a no movement clause. It's th- again, 33 years old. This seemed like a bad deal at first. Uh, this seemed like a team paying a guy after his peak but florida needed a splash they needed a big signing and they got the big signing so it kind of worked out in that regard but now you're just paying for it because the dude hasn't really um performed well and it's not for a lack of defense like florida's defense is one of the best defense cores in the league uh this dude's just lost his ability to goaltend at some point and again he's shown improvement this year but the goalie of the future is Spencer Knight. Um, you know, Drieger obviously went to Seattle in the offseason, so they don't really have um, that other fallback option. There's not really a third piece here. They just need a Bobrovsky to be good, and he has been good. It's just, I, I don't know how Florida gets out of this contract. Good, good luck trying to get out of this contract, Bill Zito. Um, all the best to you, because this is not easy. F- five years, 10 million, no movement clause. Uh, for a guy who's not even posting a 920 save percentage this season. Yeah, not not happening. Um, so Borowski's third on my list of worst contracts. Uh, number two, uh, the deuce, Eric Carlson. Uh, he, again, he's 31 right now. He's got six years left, including this season. 11.5 million AAV, no movement clause, um, and a no trade, modified no trade clause later on. Uh, he's on pace for the most points since 2017-18, so he's got 51 points is what his adjusted stats look like. In 17-18, he had 63 points. 
Um, he's on pace for about 2.7, 2.8 defensive point shares, which is back to his levels pre-pandemic, but still below prime Ottawa numbers. So even the defensive stats are not there for Eric Carlson. And it's the fourth highest cap in the league. It's just, ugh, it's just not that good. Uh, the dude hasn't really been healthy. He wasn't really healthy on the Sharks run in the last run to the postseason. He, he just wasn't healthy for that. And they still managed to get to the conference finals. Kind of incredible, really. Um, yeah, I, I just, I think this is a bad deal. I question if he wants to be in San Jose because the team stinks. He might just want to go play elsewhere. Um, so at some point, San Jose might move this deal. Maybe if things really hit the ceiling this year they could find a way to move him in the offseason i don't know um but I, this is the second worst contract in the league um you you you're really banking on some rebound um which he's kind of showing but it's not even really happening offensively it's kind of hot happening offensively but not even to the same extent as to what when you you know he was peak so eric carlson Mark Edward Vlasic, Logan Couture, just poor decisions by the Sharks, just compounding onto one another. And that's why this team is not as good or can't spend otherwise. Like, this is why they're having difficulties finding a legitimate goalie. And they thought they had it with Martin Jones, but they didn't. So this is why they're having troubles making moves is because of cap hits like Eric Carlson's or Vlasic's or Couture's. Finally, the worst contract in the NHL, according to myself, is Drew Doughty. Uh, he's 32 years old. He's got six more years, including this one. 11 million AAV, no movement clause, no trade clause. Um, you know, he is he, he's now is producing over a point per game or 2.7 points per 60, but he has been injured this season, which is not great. Um, like... This was this was a deal uh, Dowdy got because of what he did in the past, not for what he was going to do in the future. He won the team two cups. That was more than enough reason for I believe it was was a Dean Lombardi at the time to give him the extension. Um, and I mean they can't really get rid of him because he is a face to the team. He is a notable player in Los Angeles, which is. is tough in a hockey world because you're competing against the Dodgers. You're competing against the Rams. You're competing against the Lakers. Like there's all this competition in town. So at least Dowdy can be a noticeable name, uh, a face to a name, but as a player, certainly not, you know, producing out of the 11 million AAV total. Um, you got six more years, including this season with him now you might squeak into the playoffs with him who knows the kings are looking really good they obviously have a lot of solid prospects uh, a lot of solid pieces on their team if they can find a way to maybe either get something back for dowdy or maybe dowdy can finally start producing like he was before doubtful but not impossible um it yeah it's this this was a flawed deal from the start, mostly because of what he did in the past, not what he was going to do in the future. And if the Kings can find a way to get a rid of, get rid of this deal for eleven million extra dollars in cap space, great. If not, it's not really hurting them now. They're a wild card team, fringe of the wild card anyway. So, um, yeah, it's not really impacting them too much. Uh, so just to confirm, my top ten list again: number ten, Darnell Nurse; number nine, Tyler Sagan. Number eight, Logan Couture. Number seven, Oliver Ekman Larson. Number six, Seth Jones. Number five, Mark Edward Vlasic. Number four, Jeff Skinner. Number three, Sergey Bobrovsky. Number two, Eric Carlson. Number one, Drew Doughty. Uh, so that's my list of the top 10 worst NHL contracts. Let me know what you think. Uh, text me your thoughts. We can have a greater discussion. Uh, I'd be curious to know what you think about this. Uh, so, yeah, worst contracts in the NHL. Uh, stick around. We'll be back again. Uh, I'm going to do a little bit of NBA talk and then we're going to get into your mailbag questions. So don't go anywhere. We'll be back shortly.
All right, welcome back to the podcast. So I want to do a little bit here on Clay Thompson. He made his return today for Golden State Warriors. They beat the Cleveland Cavaliers 96-82 in San Francisco today. Golden State is now 30-9, and Cleveland 22-18. and uh, Clay Thompson had 17 points, three rebounds, one assist. He was actually a minus two in plus minus. Um, you know, it, 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 was, it was kind of interesting. I, I was having this discussion with one of my buddies, um earlier this week about how i wouldn't read too much into clay thompson returning and he's like oh why why is that and with clay thompson returning i don't know if you can definitively say he's back he's ready he's all good to go after one game um now this was a you know a, a decent showing today 17 points three rebounds and assist the warriors win at home um you know he did have a couple turnovers he did have uh you know three fouls the thing with the warriors the warriors are really good this year obviously they're a top three team in the west right now by standings um if they can get a healthy clay back then obviously they're going to be set they're going to be even if they get 85 percent of what clay was pre-injury uh they're they're going to be set they're going to be ready they're they're going to look superb if they haven't already but you know you you really can't base a team or a a, a player's performance off of one game you you really can't say for sure if this guy is back if this guy is ready after one game and there there's all the the elements to this like if he put up 17 points against phoenix today instead of cleveland do we really hype this guy up do we really get excited um, I don't know if he gets only 17 points against Orlando or Detroit today. Are we really pumped? Are we really excited? Like it all depends on how you feel about those teams. Like that, that's what I, that's what I, you know, am cautious of when I see these kind of stat lines and these performances and all the social media buzz that go into this is that I think Clay Thompson is going to be good. I think he, you know, will bring about 80 to 85% of what he was before his injury. I, I, I think it's unrealistic to maybe expect 100%. And if he does show 100%, if he is the player that he was before, awesome, amazing. You'll love to see it. But considering the history, the injury, the you know time it took to return, I, I do think it, uh, it is unrealistic to expect him to be 100%. So if you can expect 80 to 85%, and I mean, that's not quite what we saw today. I think you're kind of wanting a little bit more. I think you're wanting probably 20 points. You're maybe wanting five assists. Uh, he only shot 38.9% from the field today. You're maybe looking for 40%, maybe 50%. Um, that's kind of more what you're looking for. But in the end, it is a win. It is a W. Um, it, 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 you know, it's a, it's a team performance. Golden State got the win, which is the most important thing for the team. You know, and really in the NBA, it doesn't really matter in, until you, you know, get to the playoffs. Um, it really, like, it, it matters somewhat, but not really. As long as you set yourself up for the playoffs, that's what's important. And Golden State, I think, is probably going to do so. That's what they did, you know, when they were in their dynasty. They set themselves up really well. They'll probably do that again. So I, I'm, you know, happy to see Clay return. He is 31 years old um he is you know probably on the back nine of his nba career but maybe uh maybe don't you know get too hyped up with this guy uh and and i hope i'm wrong because i like to see uh you know players do well i love to see athletes thrive and i I like when i'm proven wrong because you know i'm not the smartest guy i don't have all the answers i don't know everything so if I can be proven wrong and if, you know, somebody can make me look bad, great, do it, put up 50 points. Why not? Um, hopefully, you know, this all works out well and maybe it leads to a championship for the Warriors once again, who knows? Uh, but that's my kind of takeaway on, on Golden State um, and Clay Thompson. Another player and team I want to shout out, Freddie Van Fleet. And the Toronto Raptors, Freddie got a triple-double the other night against Utah. The Raptors won again today over the New Orleans Pelicans. You know, 
the Raptors are kind of putting it together. I don't know that they're going to be a, a, a legitimate contender in, in the Eastern Conference, but I mean, they're, they're looking sharp right now. Um, you know, 2017, seventh season, so they'd be in the play-in tournament if the season ended today. They're on a six-game winning streak. So they're probably setting themselves up for the play-in tournament. Uh, I, 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 you know, I love it if they could get a little bit more scoring. 108.2 points per game is not too bad. You'd like to see it a little bit more. Um, they're they're probably about a 500 team, but if they can somehow squeak their way in, um, I, I don't know if they're going to be in a buyer at the deadline. That would be really interesting to see. Um, but yeah, shout out Fred, first career triple-double. Uh, obviously, the story of Fred Van Fleet is incredible. An undrafted player out of Wichita State finally gets his first NBA triple-double with the Raptors. They are on a bit of a winning streak, are on a bit of a heater. We'll see how they can do in the second half of the season. Uh, we'll be right back. We'll take one more break. Uh, I'm going to answer mailbag questions and hopefully maybe, you know, solve soccer. I don't think that's what I'm doing. But anyways, stay tuned. We'll be right back. All right, back for one last segment. Uh, I promised soccer talk. Uh, I wanted to discuss Lorenzo Insigne, uh, the newest signing for the Toronto Football Club. TFC, as some people call them. Uh, so, in fact, I even got one mailbag question. We got one mailbag question. This time from SYP creator Corey, um, which is cool. You know, one mailbag question is better than none. Uh, Corey, and it's not even really a question. Corey just says, Insigne is the best player to join MLS, still in his prime, albeit the backside of it. And that's probably fair. I mean... From what I've seen about this guy, he seems like a talented player, a quality striker who is joining a team that needs goals. So it makes sense. But in case you haven't heard, Lorenzo Insigne, I hope I'm saying his name right, by the way, signed with Toronto FC. It's reportedly a four-year deal worth 15 million US a season. He is 30 years old. Insigne will join TFC on July 1st, 2022, after his season with Napoli, Napoli, it's finished. I think it's Napoli, whatever. I, you know, you know, I'm not a soccer person. I only watch every four years. Uh, it might be every two years now, if they move to the two year world cup, they were talking about, uh, and he scored 19 goals in total competition with Napoli last season, scored two goals for Italy in Euro 2020 last summer. The thing with TFC. So they finished second to last in the overall table last season, just behind Cincinnati FC eight points above them with 28 points. Cincinnati FC had 20 points. They scored the six fewest goals last season and Insigne should help them in that category. Um, it's, it's a great signing for that just scoring goals. Uh, this seems, this seems to be a player who can score a bunch of goals um, who can be a contributing member to TFC. Um, see, I don't know if he's, he might be the best player in his current state to play in the MLS because obviously Beckham played in the MLS well after his prime. Same with Slatan, uh, Ibrahimovic. He played well after his prime, although he has arguably the greatest, if not one of the greatest MLS goals in, of all time. Um, but I mean, this also just feels like a bit of a desperate move from TFC because this was a team that was second overall last year. So they're at the mindset of, Hey, let's just sign this big striker to give us goals, pass it to the Italian, as they say, in kicking and screaming. But at the same time, while I do feel like this is a bit of a hail Mary desperate attempt to get some goals, um, Toronto FC is one of the most uh, successful off the field teams uh, in terms of making money and fan bases. So they don't really have to worry about that. But in terms of an on-field performance, this feels a bit desperate, but why wouldn't you sign one of the best goal scorers in the world? If you could, why not take a shot at worst? It, it pans out and you can just transfer him back to Italy. I, yeah, I, I, this, this in a way, while it does feel desperate, this feels like there's, 
a no-lose situation for TFC. Unless it goes so bad that they have to get rid of the guy, then get rid of the guy. And then at that point, uh, he's over with, it's done, you don't have to worry about him. You can just get rid of him. Uh, until then, he probably is just going to score a bunch of goals for you and make you a contender in, in the MLS. That sounds like a, a, a winning recipe. Um, again, at some point, maybe I have to get Corey or somebody to come on here and talk about uh, best players in the MLS all time. But this seems like a really good move for TFC. Uh, it's going to be an interest. I, I guess this is, I don't know. This seems like a really tough league to get star players to come over and play for. Um, mostly because the quality of soccer or football is just not that good. And I, I don't know if the quality of living has something to do with it. It might not, it's not as bad in the U S but in like Toronto, Montreal and Vancouver, it's a bit tough considering the cost of living in the cities. The Canadian dollar is um, not as good. Although I guess play, players get paid in the U S dollar. So it's not as big of a deal, but even so, you don't have the same, I think, passionate and, and lively fans because you're only playing in 20,000-seat stadiums and 25,000-seat stadiums in Vancouver, Toronto, Montreal compared to just playing, not that you're playing at Old Trafford every time, but, like, if you're playing for, I don't know, it's Norwich City in, in the Prem anymore. The Wolves, let's say the Wolves. The Wolves, there's enough fans enough passion there that it you know you'd probably rather play for the wolves than you would in montreal that's all i'm saying uh in terms of playing for toronto sure this guy could be a you know the big soccer star in toronto like sebastian javenko was uh he's in a crowded market considering there's already austin matthews vladimir guerrero jr um pascal siakam mitch marner bunch of big sports stars in toronto but Maybe Insigne thinks he can be the next big star in Toronto. Who knows? Good deal. I like it. Great job, Toronto FC. Um, that's the podcast. That's Ian McNaughton going solo. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it. Uh, I, I don't know what the podcast schedule is going to be like for the rest of the week, considering back at school and we've got some hockey that we got to cover. But nevertheless, it's been fun. Uh, be sure to check us out. On our new Twitter account, at SYPPod, in case you missed it earlier this week, we changed our Instagram username to that. You can now find us on Twitter with that same handle. So go check that out. Um, we're going to have a couple articles out this week. Be sure to look out for that. Uh, be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, like this video on YouTube. Uh that would be greatly appreciated. Any support would be greatly appreciated. Thank you for your support uh, to those who have already given it to us. It's, again, wonderful. We love it. And we'll be back again soon. Uh, until then, peace out. 